Bibles, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. We'll begin reading in verse number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God, whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Christmas has been called the most wonderful time of the year. And certainly the Christmas story is indeed wonderful. And it's wonderful because it's all about uh, the one whose name is wonderful. He makes everything wonderful. Every year we preachers spend a lot of time, you know, trying to, uh, to look maybe for some new way, some fresh statement, uh, some new thought. Uh, in order to capture the attention of people. And uh, a lot of times we go into great detail about it, you know. Uh, we could take literally months going into every little detail related to the Christmas story and spend hours talking about the promises and the people involved in the events and all of the details associated with Christmas. Or we could just sum it all up in one word, the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. In fact, I've preached on that uh, many times. God with us. Just that one name, Emmanuel, really says it all. But instead of doing either one of those things this morning, I want to give you a simple explanation as to why we celebrate Christmas. It might surprise some of you to learn that for many years, even here in America, the celebration of Christmas was opposed. I mean, that's hard for a lot of people to imagine, but it really was. You know, there are those that said, well, there's no direct command in the Bible where we're to celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, You know, even though we... Trust Him as our Lord and Savior. We are not necessarily to celebrate His birth. And, and everybody made a big deal out of it. But, uh, but here we are today, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a common thing. You know, I haven't found any Scripture yet that forbids us in celebrating anything about Christ. Amen. And so we're going to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse number 15 explains exactly why we celebrate Christ. It says, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Over the years, I've preached from that verse more times than I can remember, and I never get tired of it, Uh, but I've never preached this particular sermon. This is the perfect verse, I think, for Thanksgiving or for Christmas 
or any other time. doesn't make any difference what time of the year it is. Paul has been speaking to the church here about the blessing of giving and receiving. And he was thanking the church at Corinth, you know, for what they had done. And then just suddenly he just burst forth in thanksgiving here to the, to the greatest giver for the greatest gift. And that's something all of us should do. You know, we live in strange times today where we've banned God from the government and expelled Him from the schools. And uh, maybe you heard about the one little boy that was required to give a report in school uh, about the founding of America, but he was warned that he could not use any religious words. So he got it before the class with a little three-by-five card, and he said the pilgrims came here seeking freedom of you-know-what. They landed at Plymouth Rock and gave thanks to you-know-who. Because of them, we can worship each Sunday you-know-where. That's a pretty smart kid, you know. He figured it out. Amen. The point is, we should never stop thanking God for all that He's done, and Christ is at the very top of that list. When we look at this verse, there are three things about it that I want you to notice. The first thing is the expression of gratitude. Notice that word, thanks. That speaks volumes. And here in the first part of this chapter, he's been thanking the saints there at Corinth for their generous giving. But now he just burst out in thanksgiving to God. It's like he couldn't hold it in any longer. That He just had to say something. And I want to say three things about this expression of gratitude. Number one, it is appropriate. It's always appropriate for Christians to give thanks. It ought to be as natural as breathing. You know, there's just something about it that's always irritated me about, uh, about song leaders, for example, that go to the, <laughs> they go to the extreme in trying to pump up a crowd. Well, they're not the only ones guilty. Preachers are guilty because sometimes when the song leader can't do it, the preacher jumps up, you know, out of his seat and he, you know, does whatever he needs to do, trying to pump everybody up. Well, good night. If if the love of Christ doesn't pump you up, anything else is just pure emotionalism and that and it's totally meaningless. I mean, look, if you can't breathe, there's something wrong. And if we're not thankful, there's something wrong. I'm, this is such a simple word, but it's such a serious subject because considering how greatly we've been blessed. I can't imagine anything that, you know, that's more appropriate, you know, than to be thankful. Uh, and yet we see people that are unthankful all of the time. It is appropriate. Paul says, thanks. It's acceptable. I just talked about some of the things you see in church sometimes. And believe me, over the years in traveling as I have in different churches, I've just about seen it all, I think. It, it, it is unbelievable what goes on in some churches. I, I was preaching over around Cape Girardeau, Missouri, oh, many years ago, and uh, I won't go into detail and everything, but by the time that they got through with their show, and that's what it was, they had a special singing group in there of a different denomination, 
And they went hog wild and pig crazy in there. And I got up and made some kind of a curt remark that the pastor didn't appreciate. I had them, I had everybody mad before I even got started. But look, God's not impressed by showmanship. There are a lot of things that go on in the name of religion. A lot of things that, that are popular with people. A lot of things that are pleasing to the flesh. But it's not pleasing to God. But let me tell you, Thanksgiving is never out of style with God. It's always the appropriate thing to do. Genuine Thanksgiving is acceptable to God. You want to get God's attention? Just say thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's acceptable. It's appropriate. It's advantageous also. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying now. Thanksgiving isn't about what you get out of it. You know, we think about the matter of giving, and we know that the Bible teaches that we are blessed in our giving, but we're not blessed if we're giving to be blessed. That makes sense? In other words, if you're giving to get, you're not going to get. But if you're giving out of a heart of love and cheerfully, God has promised to bless you. So this matter of thanksgiving isn't something that we do because we hope to get something out of it. But that doesn't mean that we don't benefit from it. In other words, the benefit is the result and not the reason that we give thanks. It's the result of it. And there's several results. Number one, it deters us from sin. If you read in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 3 and 4, and there Paul is making a, a contrast, and, and he's showing that thanksgiving is pictured as just the opposite of evil. And he mentions several evil sins. And, and thanksgiving is the opposite of that. In other words, a person that's truly thankful does not want to disobey and to disappoint God. You see, real thanksgiving, a real attitude of gratitude shows up not only in what we say, but in what is seen by the manner in which we live. So it's not about just saying, thank you, Lord, and then, you know, you fulfilled your responsibility for a day or two and going on about your business. It's showing our gratitude in the manner that we live. It delivers us or deters us from sin. But it also delivers us from sadness. I'm really convinced that the more thankful we are, the more happy that we're going to be. I think gratitude's the gateway to gladness. I don't know of anybody here that says, well, I just hope I'm miserable the rest of my life. Everybody wants to be happy. And people do strange things in order to try to find happiness. Let me tell you, you'll never find happiness by looking for it. It's the most elusive thing in all of this world. You'll never find happiness by looking for happiness. Happiness comes as a result of us doing that which is pleasing to God. And nothing could be more pleasing to God than to be thankful for His wonderful gift. Now notice the next three words. Thanks be unto God. This is the exaltation of God. The expression of gratitude and now the exaltation of God. And of all of the things that we can do to please God, 
You know, there's a sense in which this is the most important. I say that because man's chief purpose on earth is to glorify God. There's no doubt about that. The Bible, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, affirms the fact that we exist for the very purpose of glorifying God. That was the reason that we were created. So if that is our purpose, then we must exalt God in what we do. We were singing about that just a while ago. And if we fail to exalt God, we're not going to glorify God. Again, I'm not talking about mere religious emotion. I'm talking about extolling the virtues of God. That's why it's so important that we understand uh, you know, what God is like. We have an entire series that we teach on knowing God and it deals with the attributes of God. And, and I'm so glad that, you know, even though we can't know everything about God, we can know a lot about God by what's revealed in the Bible. Amen? And we can know that He is a God of love. Grace and mercy reflects that. He is faithful. He is omniscient, omnipotent, and on and on and on the list goes. And whenever we extol the virtues of God and give Him the praise that He deserves as a result of that, He is honored. Let me tell you, it's a dangerous thing not to do that. To neglect that. You know, it might not be offensive to anyone else. But for us to sit down, as it were, at the table and eat our meal, for us to reap all of the benefits of the sunshine and the rain and all of the blessings of God throughout life, and then not to be a thankful people pulls a curse down upon our head. Turn with me over to the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 6 for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And here is the Lord is speaking to the children of Israel, and He says in verse number 10, And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which He sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not. Now let me stop there for just a moment. We all know the story how that the children of Israel are in Egyptian bondage. I mean, look, they, they, are, they are locked up and under the thumb of Pharaoh. There's no place to go, no way out whatsoever until God intervenes. And God not only delivered them from Egyptian bondage, and God not only guided them through the wilderness, but God did all of that He says to bring them into the land that He had promised. The land of the Canaanites. Those that had sinned against God. Those that wanted nothing to do with God. And God said, I'm going to give you that land. You'll inherit cities that you did not build. And He pronounced this blessing upon them. But notice what He says. Verse 11. There will be houses full of good things which thou uh, uh, findest not. Let me get my glasses on. (laughs) Which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. That's a pretty good condition to be in, right? 
You've eaten, you're full, you've got all this stuff that you didn't do anything to deserve, and God said, I'll give it to you. Notice, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, you know, we look back at that terrible sin. And by the way, eventually that is exactly what they did. They forgot about God. A lot of folks don't understand that that little book of Judges makes up a major portion of the history of the children of Israel where they go through this cycle over and over and over again to where they forget about God. God lets a curse come upon them. They realize they're, they're in a horrible situation. They cry out to God. God raises up somebody to deliver them. He gets them out of the mess. And all of a sudden, that cycle just goes on and on and on. Now, we look at, back at that and we think how terrible it is for a people to be so offensive to such a good God. And yet, so many times we do exactly the same thing in our life by not exalting the Lord as we should. We have to, we have to resist forgetfulness. In other words, it's something we need to work at. It's, it's not something that just automatically happens. You say, well, how can we resist forgetfulness? Well, we do so by remaining focused. Remember what the writer in Hebrews chapter 12 said in verse number 2. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Verse 3 says, consider Him. And as we're looking unto Him daily, as we keep our focus upon Him, how could we ever forget what God has done for us? It would be impossible. Not whenever you're focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's when we get our eyes off of Him. That's when we go astray. You remember the story whenever the Lord comes walking on the water and the the apostles are frightened and the Lord beckons to Peter and says, Come on. Peter gets out of the boat and Peter's walking on water. And then all of a sudden he starts looking at the waves around him instead instead of Jesus and he begins to sink. And that's exactly what happens in the life of a person who forgets to be thankful. The person who loses their focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not that they're out here, you know, robbing banks, slitting throats, or doing something that we consider horrible and terrible. But it's something that is offensive to God that we would take of His many blessings and not so much is show our thankfulness by our manner of life. Now notice, notice the last part of this verse. Here he speaks about the exceptional gift. He says, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. It just seems like Paul is at a loss for words. I know what that's like being a preacher because there's times whenever you make your best effort to exalt the Lord, and you exhaust all of your vocabulary. You don't know what else to say. Where do I go from here? You know, you've said all you know there is to say, but you feel like I haven't even touched the hem of the garment because, you know, I know there's so much more to it, but I just don't know how to 
to talk about it. That's the way I think Paul feels at this point. Thanks be unto God. Look, he could have added a hundred different things. Thanks be unto God for the food we eat. Thanks be unto God for the sunshine and the rain that makes things grow. Thanks be unto God for my good health. Thanks be unto God for my family. He could have gone on and on and on. But he narrows everything down to this one thing. And that is God's most glorious gift. Thanks be unto God for His, notice, unspeakable gift. That's what Christmas is all about. The gift of God. It's unspeakable. And let me tell you, it's unequal. There's nothing to compare with Jesus Christ. It's unequal. He's one of a kind. You know, we as Christians try to try our best to emulate Him. You know, we know that He is our example. And well, we should. But oh, we come so far short of being what He is. He's unequal. Whenever I was a kid, you know, and on Christmas, uh, after, you know, after everybody got up and opened their Christmas gifts and what have you, it was a common practice for all of the kids, you know, to go to each other's house. Everybody wanted to go and see what the other one got and, you know, you knew, you knew there was going to be certain things that you got. You, you know, as a as a boy, you was going to get an apple, an orange, and some nuts and stuff like that in your in your sock, and and then you was going to get you know a, a pair of jeans and a shirt, and and, and then maybe there would be maybe uh, the big gift, maybe a pocket knife or whatever you know whatever it might have been. Uh, but everybody wanted to go around and show others what they got. And it'd always be somebody got something, you know, better than what you got. But let me tell you, when you got Jesus, there ain't nothing any better than that. He is unequal. He stands head and shoulders above anything else. It's unspeakable, this gift is. It's unequal. It's unending. I say that because remember, the Lord Himself said He would give unto us what? Eternal life. If it's eternal today and you lose it tomorrow, it wasn't eternal yesterday, was it? It's eternal life, never-ending life. Think about that. Never-ending life. No wonder it's unequal. But there's something else. It's unearned. It's unearned because it's undeserved. There's nothing in this world that you and I could do to earn the gift of eternal life. We could work our fingers to the bone, swim the seven seas, climb the highest mountain, do whatever, you know, and, and whenever it's all said and done, it wouldn't be enough to get us through the pearly gates and into heaven. Because the Bible says it's not by works. That's so clear, and yet there are so many religious denominations that base everything on what they do for the Lord rather than what He has done for them. You see, it's unearned and it's undeserved. It's a gift. Wouldn't it be a horrible thing Christmas morning? You wake all the children up and here they come running to the Christmas tree and and start to open their gifts, and you say, oh, no, 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 no. You've got to wash all of the dishes and mop the floors and wash the windows and, you know. Well, that's not a gift. 
That's a wage that you earn, a reward that you gain. That's not a gift. A gift is something that is given without any conditions. That's why the Bible says, for by grace. That's the unmerited favor of God. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Just through simple childlike faith. What a gift. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And you, you know, a lot of times you get things for Christmas that are not really very useful. Maybe that's happened to you some point in time. You got something you thought, what am I going to do with this? Some of you probably re-gifted it or something, you know. Put it in a drawer somewhere and forgot about it. But let me tell you, there's nothing more useful in all of the world than God's gift of Christ. And I say that because that meets our deepest needs. That's where our greater concern ought to be on our deepest need. That is our spiritual need. And, and here, to cap it all off, if that's possible, this gift is universal. Hebrews 2.9 says that He tasted death for every man. Think about that. Christ didn't die for just a select few. He tasted death for every man. And that's why He says, Whosoever will may come. Amen? Whosoever will. It doesn't make any difference what color your skin is. It doesn't make any difference what you've done in the past, who you are, or anything else. It makes no difference. Whosoever will may come. You know, we look in the world and think about the wonders of the world and all the incredible things, and there's a lot of incredible things in the world, but there's nothing more incredible than God's unspeakable gift. It's His own dear Son. His name, Isaiah 9, 6, He says is wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the government shall be upon His shoulder. Let me give you three quick reasons why you ought to be thankful. Number one, because of the giver. Because of the, this, is a, this is a gift from God. That makes it special. Number two, because of the gift. It meets your deepest need. Number three, because of the gain. It affects you for all of eternity. It, whether you receive this gift or not, decides where you will spend eternity. I just can't hardly imagine someone saying, you know, that preacher, that all sounds good, but I'm really not interested. I read the true story of a, of a um, package that was sent many years ago from England to to a city somewhere in, in South Africa. And uh, the man to whom it was addressed refused to pay the delivery charge. You know, the postal place there tried to deliver it, but there's going to be a charge. He said, no, I'm not, I'm not paying it. For 14 years, that box sat there in the post office and they used it as a footstool for 14 years until the man died. And finally, it was decided, with, you know, with this undelivered stuff that they put it all up for auction. And it was a part of the auction. 
So one man, just out of curiosity, just wondering what it might be, he bid on it for just a very small sum, and lo and behold, he got it, and inside he discovered several thousand pounds of, of English banknotes. We're talking about a, a considerable fortune. That fortune was there all of the time, and it would have taken just a little bit of postage for this man to have received that vast fortune, and he declined. But let me tell you, more foolish than that is the person who refuses God's gift, His unspeakable gift. That man would have had to have paid just a small fee, the postage, to have it delivered, and he refused. You don't have to pay anything to receive God's gift. It is absolutely free. I was talking the other day about my sixth grade teacher. And what an influence that she was on my life. But And how much I admired her. And boy, to think about any teacher being able to get me to, to love poetry, that, that's a minor miracle because I'll never forget the day when I was in like the fifth grade, I think it was. You know, they try to get all the kids together and sing, you know, have a, have a little choir or whatever it was and teach all of the kids to sing, and, and I wouldn't. So they sent for the enforcements and another teacher come down. Finally, they got the one I despised the most, Mrs. Weaver. Bev knows who I'm talking about. Mrs. Weaver comes down there, down in the basement. And boy, she gets in my face, and I mean, she's reading me the right act, but she never did get me to sing. But Mrs. Roop, that little old shriveled up lady in my sixth grade class, bless her heart, she just did something to get me to just love poetry. And I said last week, I believe it was, the one thing I regret is that she didn't ever tell me about Jesus. Oh, listen, I wish I had known about Jesus years before all of those years that I wasted, all of the grief that I put my family through, all of the suffering that they went through, that I went through, all of that could have been avoided if I would have just known about this wonderful gift. And I'm telling you, here this morning, there's not one of you that can leave and say, nobody ever told me about Jesus. Because I'm telling you right now, He came into this sin-cursed earth. He left the portals of glory. He condescended down to this sin-cursed earth. He walked among men on the dusty trails of Galilee, was beaten to a bloody pulp and nailed to the cross and shed His blood for you, for me, for the world. To provide salvation, something we don't deserve, something we could never earn ourselves. And he says, here it is, a free gift. How dare we insult God and step over the blood of Jesus Christ and ignore God's wonderful, unspeakable gift. Now you know 
And I pray to God that this will be the morning that you'll come and you'll say, yes, preacher, I'm going to receive that gift right here, right now, this morning. I'm going to believe in my heart and put my trust in what Jesus did on the cross and trust Him to save my soul. Would you do that this morning? Let's all stand together and Tim's going to come and our musicians. We're going to extend a verse of invitation. And if you're here this morning, you say, well, preacher, I've just got some questions. There's some things I, I just don't know about and, and I, I just need some guidance. Well, we've got this old black book I hold in my hand that give you all the guidance you need. But let me tell you, I can't save you. Boy, if I could, I'd run back here and grab you by the nap of the neck and you'd get saved, you know, before this service was over. But I can't. Brother Kenneth can't save you. Mom and Dad can't save you. Nobody else can. But Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. While we sing, you come. Come on. That's what it is, amazing grace. Might be some of you Christian folks that have ceased to be thankful. Maybe you just want to come and say, I don't want to leave here till I thank God for the gift of Jesus, the gift of eternal life. While we sing, Grace my fears relieve. How precious did that grace appear? The hour I first believed. Keep right on singing. Through grace and dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far. Now think about this last verse. When we've been there 10,000 years. When we've been there 10,000 years. Bright shining as the part of the service and we're about to have the benediction and be dismissed and, uh, and so many times we might think to ourselves well nothing really really exciting or important happened but we just don't know that you know all we can do is sow the seed of God's word and it's God that gives the harvest but let me tell you if you're here this morning and
and concerned about your soul, and, and if I can help your brother Kenneth, or uh, if, you're, if you're a lady, if Mrs. Stone can help you, uh, please, you know, let us know. Don't just walk away, because there is somebody that cares, and we we want you to have that assurance. As the Bible speaks about, John the Apostle said, "These things have I written unto you that ye may know you have eternal life." Isn't that wonderful to be able to know that without any doubt? whatsoever thank you so much for being here this morning and and uh, just pray that god will use the seed of his word to accomplish uh, his will brother terry